0: Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 193. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. Um, now, before we get into the, into the uh, proceedings, I uh, just want to do a little bit of a promotional thing. and uh, But it's, it's something that will benefit uh, all members. Uh, and it is a 30% discount that we're offering on all uh, webinar recordings. This is up to the end of June 2019. Uh, so you've got the rest of this month to, um, to get this 30% discount uh, on popular topics such as asset protection strategies, estate planning, superannuation, there's a whole lot there. Um, if you go to our website, wwwtaxandsuperaustralia slash recordings hash, um, and apply the code Megasale, M-E-G-A-S-A-L-E 30, Megasale 30, you'll get a 30% discount on any of the webinar recordings that you'll see listed there on that uh, on web page. All right, promotion um, over. But do go and have a look at that, 30% discount, not to be sneezed at. Uh, look. Uh, this episode we're looking at FBT. Now the FBT year has ticked over once again uh, but it seems that each time it does there were little tweaks and tinkerings that practitioners need to get their heads around and sometimes these tinkerings are not so little. Uh, Look, so we've once more called upon the uh, expertise of A&A Tax Legal Consulting's Simon Dorovich to help us unravel the uh, the FBT landscape going forward. Uh, Simon, hi, thanks for joining us again.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Steve. What's oh, good
0: to have you here. now, um, we, uh, the FPT year has ended. Um, what has changed in the FPT world? And uh, you're
1: going to fill us in. So what 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 are we looking at? Uh, well, the first uh, change I wanted to discuss was a practical compliance guideline that the ATO has issued, mm. uh, PCG 2018-3. Right. Uh, now, last year, uh, around this time, uh, I came on the show and talked about... You know, what was new in FBT uh, at that stage. That's right,
0: yeah. Uh, it was a vehicle change to the vehicle treatment, I think.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Uh, so the, at the time, this PCG was was in draft. Yep. It was known as PCG 2017 slash D14. So so it's now been finalised. There, there have been some, some changes made. So I thought it might be worthwhile to... Uh, to recap what it's all about, sure. and to, to highlight you know, what those changes, uh, what those changes are, and
0: the, these changes do apply for the seventeen eighteen FBT year. Is that right? Uh,
1: well, now we're we're actually it's the the nineteen FBT year that oh, it just two. ended. Sorry, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah so it, yeah, will apply to uh, to that year. To, to that FBT okay. year. Uh, so so the the guidance is all about an exemption that applies or. Potentially applies to uh, certain kinds of vehicles. So uh, some you, you may have heard some people say that uh, you don't need to pay FBT on, on a Ute, uh, oh, right. and <laughs> that, that's that's not correct. But no. but there is a, a kernel of truth. There right. there is in fact a, an exemption that applies to uh, to certain kinds of vehicles. Yep. yep. Uh, so you know, for example, uh, a a panel van. Uh, is a potentially eligible vehicle right, right. Yep. Uh, a a single single cab use yep uh, a dual cab ute uh, will qualify if it's not designed for the principal purpose of carrying passengers oh i see yeah uh, and uh, a four wheel drive is another potentially eligible vehicle though though it needs to meet uh, one of the following conditions it has to be Designed to carry a load of one ton or more, designed to carry more than eight passengers, or not designed for the principal purpose of carrying passengers. Mm, okay. uh, so I'm not sure how many four-wheel drives would actually no, I'm trying to meet think those them. conditions, to be <laughs> honest. But potentially, you know, that's another kind of eligible vehicle yeah, for the yeah. for the purposes of. It's this interesting exemption. the dual
0: cab utes because I mean some of them have a really small back seat you can just barely squeeze in there but some are quite roomy so yeah um, it's case by case basis i suppose
1: yeah in mm. fact the, so the atos has a, a ruling on that on huh. uh if, if you've got a dual cab use and you're not quite sure if it if it qualifies yep uh check out mt2024 okay uh and that'll uh, give you some guidance oh good on on, on that question all right excellent uh, so what are the so changes? so if you've got a if you've got an eligible vehicle, uh, and if the employee employees use of that vehicle is limited to one travel in the course of performing their employment duties yeah yeah going to visit a client for example mm-hmm. uh, or you know building site uh, uh, two travel between home and work uh, or you know where they're otherwise performing their Employment duties. duties, yep, yep, uh, and three other private use that is minor, infrequent, and irregular. Right. So the the trouble with that is that you know it's not always clear uh, when will use be minor, infrequent, yeah. and irregular. Yeah. You know, where where how much is too much? How much is how frequent you know, is no longer the minor? You yeah. know, too too frequent. Yeah. Uh, so the ATO's issued some. Some guidance ah, that have set out some some safe harbour amounts, and saying you know if you if you swim between these flags, then <laughs> you know we'll accept that uh, you know the use is in fact minor and yep. frequent yep. and irregular. So so what does the P C G say? You know yep, what are what it. is the uh, the permitted amounts of of uh, private use? Right. So there's three three different kinds. First is they say three different conditions. Right. First they say the travel between the home and place of work is permitted, but o- only if the any diversion adds no more than two kilometres to the ordinary length of the trip. Two kilometres. Two kilometres. So let's say uh, the the employee uh, is you know, going to work, and on their way to work, they're dropping their kids off at school. Ah, oh, right. If the school, you know, is if that diversion to to go to go to the school, uh, you know, assuming that it's not exactly on on the route that they would normally take to go to work, if that diversion is less than two kilometres, then that trip, you know, that diversion would not be considered, uh, you know, private use and count towards this, you know, minor and frequent. So it's uh, it's per journey, is it not? Not. Yeah, two kilometres per journey. Per journey, okay. Yeah, right. so you know, if you're on the way home, if you're picking the kids up from school, or some, uh, your,
0: your partner says, "Can you get two litres of milk?" And the closest Woolies is uh, not that close, but yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right. right. Going
1: to the supermarket, yeah, uh, yeah picking up a, a coffee. Mm. Uh, as long as on that journey, it's not adding more than two kilometres. Right, okay. Then that's okay. Mm. The next thing is that. In total, for the FBT year, no more than one thousand kilometres. Uh, now, that was actually seven hundred and fifty kilometres when the ruling was in, in or draft. the guideline was in, in draft oh, format. I see. So they've they've decided to be a bit more generous and yeah. bump that up to a thousand.
0: Maybe they did a bit of consulting and asking around.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so as long as there's no more than one thousand kilometres in total for. You know, for journeys that that are for private journeys, yep. journeys that have a wholly private purpose, and finally, uh, no single return journey for a wholly private purpose can exceed two hundred kilometres. So, no single return journey. So, if you go out of your way to,
0: and coming back from where where you went, if it's no long no further than two hundred kilometres,
1: you said uh, two hundred kilometres. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, uh, i i imagine the kind of scenario where that might be relevant would be if 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 you take the ute to you know, up the coast for yeah. a for a holiday uh and you know your destination is a hundred and one kilometers away <coughs> uh and then you you drive drive it back at the the end of your holiday mm. well that return journey if for a private purpose was two hundred and two kilometers yeah Bad luck. You've uh, you're no, no longer eligible for for this particular, oh, right. um, yeah. you know, safe harbour. Uh, yep. Yeah,
0: there's uh, some deem- uh, but, deemed private know. use. Therefore, <coughs> you've got to take the consequences.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now you could still try to argue <laughs> that it is that you know minor and frequent and irregular use. Mm-hmm. You just wouldn't have that certainty of knowing that the ATO will. You know, we'll, oh, we'll just wa- that. just wave it
0: through. Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Uh, so there there are s- some other conditions that also need to be satisfied. Yep. Uh, so it has to be a, an eligible vehicle, provide as we discussed, yep. provided to a current employee, uh, in order to uh, allow them to perform their their work duties. Yeah. Uh, the employer must have a policy in place that limits the, the private use of the vehicle and they must obtain assurances from their employee that, that the employee's use is limited to the use within the safe harbour amounts that I just discussed. Ah, so there, is that boiled down
0: to the employer must have an extra bit of paperwork, have a stated policy, and get the employee to sign, yes, I'm going to abide by this policy? Yeah, exactly uh, right. Okay. Uh, just in case they ask.
1: Yeah, right. and in fact, that, that's a bit of a change from how things were phrased right. uh, in the draft ruling, and uh, in fact, I, th- I think it's made things uh, a bit easier for and a bit clearer for the employer okay. because the, there used to be a requirement when the PCG was in draft format that the employer must take all reasonable steps to limit private use of the vehicle and have measures in place to monitor such use. Eg, by checking odometer readings. Oh right, yep. uh, You know, so when you think of you know all reasonable steps, well, that's obviously uh, leads to a bit of uncertainty and yeah. s- subjectivity, and and so uh, I think employers will be happy with with that change. Of course, you, just you do, know, do the one bit of paperwork and, and that's it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yes, yeah, true. Huh.
1: Uh, the another change is that there used to be a requirement that the vehicle not have any non-business accessories. Uh, so that's basically any accessory to the vehicle that isn't, you know, f- to uh, you know, serve the the you know the special business needs of yep. the yep. the employer. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, they've ATOs decided to remove that requirement. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> no. I'm sure employers won't complain. No, no. Uh, the the value of the the GST inclusive value of the vehicle uh, at the time it was acquired. Uh, must be less than the luxury car tax threshold. Oh, okay. So yep. so that's, uh, you know, in case you haven't kept up, uh, it's 66331 for non-fuel-efficient vehicles and 75526 for fuel-efficient vehicles. Right.
0: Well, that's a fairly generous uh, work car, isn't it? Value for a work car.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you can pick up a pretty good car for under you those so? amounts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, the final condition uh, is that the vehicle can't be provided as part of a salary packaging arrangement oh, well, uh, yeah. and the employee can't elect to receive additional remuneration in lieu of the vehicle.
0: Right, OK. Well, I'm just sort of wondering then how, um, you know, if the uptake of electric vehicles does uh, uh, kick off, does take off in years to come, I assume the FPT rules will need to uh, factor in changes for the... Because electronic, electronic vehicles... Um, a bit more expensive these days hmm. uh so far i mean they might get better in years to come but anyway be something to keep an eye on yeah i assume for the future mm. yeah okay and that so is that it for the workhorse vehicles um, yep. changes you were mentioning yeah i think we've uh, we've covered Have that one okay because you were mentioning when we were off off air simon um uh, some other changes that uh, um people need to be aware of uh i think there was guidance issued wasn't there on what's it called a range of provisions is that something you can talk about
1: yeah, I, th- I think these are, are rules that uh, might come as a bit of a shock to really? some uh, employers. Really? Uh, the rules themselves are, are not new, but the ATO, uh, you know, through uh, one of their states and territory industries uh, partnership meetings, right. uh, have, uh, have clarified th- their application or you know their the ATO's view rather of how right. they will apply uh, these rules. Uh, uh and so a fringe benefit can uh obviously can be provided by an employer. That's mm. that's the standard case. Yeah. yeah. Uh it can also be provided by an associate of the employer. Yeah. Uh, so a third party kind of
0: person. Uh
1: well, well by associate I, I mean yeah a related party. Okay. Perfect. Uh and and that makes sense. Uh you know it would be a pretty easy loophole if uh yeah, you could know, yep. just get a you know, a, a parent entity or you know, some other company that's you know related to the employer yep. and say well there yeah there's no employment relationship between that'd be an the, easy one wouldn't it Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it's a uh, pretty uh, uh, clear loophole to to close right, but. Uh, a fringe benefit can also arise when it's provided by a third party that's unrelated to the employer so an actual isolated
0: third party that's out there on the left field yeah okay really yeah and
1: yep. and and if uh, if that occurs then it's the employer not the the third party that has the the FBT obligation really okay yep. so uh, yeah so if you're a you're an employer you need to be aware of yeah, uh, you know, if third parties are providing your employees with with benefits, yep. because it, it could lead to to an FBT liability. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, one scenario where I think these these rules could come into play would be, uh, let's say you have uh, your the business the employer's business is you know acquires uh, product from. Yeah, from a supplier. Yep. Uh, and you know, one or more of the employees uh, is the one that's responsible for for selecting the uh, you know which supplier to order from yeah, and yeah. you know how much to to order. And uh, if you're one of those suppliers or, or potential suppliers, then uh, you know their decisions can obviously have a, a big impact on on your business, and you might want to. Uh, to, to carry favour by perhaps, uh, you yeah, know, offering them, them gifts? Some other or thing. I,
0: I'm just thinking of a, a business that, say, carries out painting services and, say, if the supplier of paint to that business says to the employees, oh, yeah, you have, have, have four litres for your house or or something like that. Is that. Am I in
1: the right area? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, it could be that. Okay. Uh, yeah. could be, you know, inviting them to... Uh, you know to a Christmas function oh, yeah, uh, yep. you know could be I oh, here's some tickets to, uh, a box to a, at a yeah the game box or, yeah. yeah box at the yeah at the MCG yeah yeah it you know, could be all sorts of things right uh, and potentially that leads to to a fringe benefit arising mm. so uh, so the uh, if you look up the definition of fringe benefit in the FBT act uh, it says that it includes that it can be provided by a third party if the employer or their associate participates in or facilitates the provision or receipt of the benefit or participates in, facilitates or promotes the scheme involving the provision of the benefit and the employer or their associate knows or ought reasonably to know. So um, even if they don't know, if they ought reasonably to yeah, know... Yeah. That the employer or their associate associate is doing so, and finally, uh, it, a third party fringe benefit can arise if it's provided by a third party under an arrangement between the employer or their associate uh, and the third party. Well, <coughs> then it becomes more obvious. But yeah, I see. Mm. All right. Uh, so the, the the other conditions, uh, you know, must still be met. You know, the benefit must be provided in respect of the. Employment, employment of the yeah. employee, for example, yeah. you know, at least there's, there's there's a possibility that you know these third parties providing your your employees with benefits yeah. can,
0: can can get you a, an extra obligation. Yeah, that you weren't looking out for. Yeah. Uh,
1: so so what does the ATO say? Well, well, they say that an employer may be liable for FBT where they one are aware that the third party is providing benefits uh, to their employees and do nothing to prohibit their employees from accepting those benefits. Uh, Two, uh, where they fail to take authoritative actions prohibiting employees from accepting any benefits that arise in connection with their employment. Or three, if the employer knows of or consents to the provision of the benefit to the employee by the third party. Right, okay, so so let's say you're you're an employer uh, and you decide we don't want to take any risk of uh, incurring an Fbt liability, yeah, you know we don't mind upsetting our employees who <laughs> who might be uh, <laughs> quite happy the to benefits they're missing out on, but yeah, yeah, okay. exactly, yeah. yeah they they might uh, be quite happy to be receiving these mm. these gifts and benefits, but as an employer, you decide, no, it's more important for us to. Yeah, you know, protect ourselves against of course. any risks. So, yep. so what should you do? Well, you should uh, instruct your employees that th- they can't accept any benefits from third parties, right. and ask them to sign sign an undertaking undertaking saying that they promise not to not to accept it. An, okay, you know, and that's enough benefit. to keep it squeaky clean with the ATO. Yep, yeah, probably okay. a good idea to then at the end of the year follow that up with a. Yeah, you know, and seek confirmation that oh, they have, course. in fact, yeah, you know, done what they've agreed to do, and yep. and not not accepted any benefits. But if if the employer's done that, then the ATO will will accept that. Uh, you know, no no fringe benefit arises. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's that's fine. Well, that, that's that um, sounds like an improvement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So,
1: okay. So so an, and and a, a final uh, uh, yeah, change in the ATO's uh, views on on this matter. Yep. Is uh, so. Let's say that there is, an, you know, the employer hasn't done, you know, taken those steps. Oh, and wow. yep. The employee has, in fact, uh, yeah, accepted some uh, benefits. Yeah, some some benefit. Okay. Uh, well, the employer is the one that's responsible for for you know the, lodging the FBT return and, yep. and paying FBT. Uh, well, they'll need to to value the benefit. To know what to to report in in the return, and, yep. well, if they are the one, if they haven't incurred the cost themselves, mm. uh, they'll they'll need to gather information from the the third party. Mm, that's true. Uh, so, uh, as awkward as it might be, the the ATO says, well, as an employer, you need to take all reasonable steps to uh, to attempt to go to the, the third party yep. and, and ask them to provide you know whatever information you you need okay. to 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 value the return so to value the benefit I benefit, should say yeah. uh now if you know, after you've made all reasonable efforts the the third party is just unwilling to provide you that information yeah uh well then you can the ATO says you can use a reasonable estimate oh okay uh but they also say that uh you know if this third party is you know, completely unwilling to to co- cooperate, mm. uh, then you know they the ATO may, may be more willing to accept that you know that a th- that a fringe benefit hasn't in fact arisen. So, okay. so if you're in that situation as an employer, perhaps take a step back and revisit the yeah uh, you know, the question of are we really uh, you know responsible for, for yeah FVT yeah in the, you'd in imagine it would be a rare a rare occasion because
0: the employer would obviously perhaps have some kind of bi- at least business relationship with the third party because they're dealing in things. Yeah, I, um, I would imagine so. Yeah, you'd think it would be be rare. But mm. still, it's good to have that cl- cleared up. Yeah. All right. Um, something else you also mentioned about uh, Simon, which I found it was interesting, yeah, but something about
1: employees working outdoors, which has uh, intrigued me. What's, what's that all about? Uh so this is all about uh, an FBT exemption for uh, eligible work-related items. So uh, that's in Section fifty-eight X of the FBT Act. Fifty-eight X. Yes, sir. I, I believe so. <laughs> uh, and so that's you know things like uh, portable electronic devices is is one category. Your, your laptop, mobile phone, tablet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, briefcase is another. Uh, But the ones that, you know, uh, I'm looking at today Mm -hmm. are the uh, protective clothing and tool of trade. Okay, yep. So uh, the ATO was asked whether hiking boots provided to staff working outdoors and traversing rough terrain was protective clothing. Uh, And it's it's interesting to see... uh, The answer was yes, the ATO concluded. um, And it's interesting to see... How do they go about answering the question? Okay. Because employers can apply the same methodology to other items that they think might qualify okay, yeah, as protective yeah. clothing. Well,
0: what? They, how do they spell it out?
1: Uh, well, so as you, you would imagine, they say to be protective clothing, it, the item must be both protective and clothing <laughs> yes, <okay. laughs> so uh, no, no real surprises there yeah uh, now to work out if an item is protective they list uh, four factors and and they've taken these factors from tax ruling 2003/ oh, 16 so that's a little while ago yeah it's an okay. it's an old ruling uh, and it's a tax ruling not an FBT ruling but oh, okay. but you know they're still applying it in the context of of FBT yeah, as well yeah So, the first factor is, uh, or rather, four conditions that need to be met, all all four. One, the employee is exposed to the risk of illness or injury in the course of carrying out their income-earning activities. Mm -hmm. Two, the risk is not remote or negligible. Three, the protective item is of a kind that provides protection from that risk and would reasonably be expected to be used in the circumstances. Yep. And four, the employee uses the item in the course of carrying out their income-earning activities. Oh, well, all very logical. Um, yeah, make, makes makes make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you're providing an item that you think might might qualify as being protective clothing, then just yeah, run it by that that list, oh, see yeah, if yeah. it meets each of those four conditions. Yep. Yeah. If it does, then you can you know, conclude that it is, in fact, protective. Yep, yep. Uh, then go to the, the dictionary definition of clothing, if if you're in <laughs> any doubt. Yep. It's, you know, there's no uh, official definition in, in the FBT Act. No, the the no. ATO just went to the, the Macquarie Concise Dictionary. Yep, yep. Uh, shoes are clothing, they, they concluded. Uh, and, you know, if you can say it's both protective and clothing, uh, and it's, you know, primarily for use in the... Employees' employment duties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it's an exempt exempt from FBT. Okay, so and of course that then covers
0: more than I was thinking. Steel cap boots, but then there's more um, risk than something dropping on your toe. Of course, if you're outside all day in rough terrain.
1: Yeah, um, so yeah. steel cap boots, I, I would definitely imagine definitely. would qualify. Yeah, if you know, not if you're working in in an office. No, but no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're working uh, somewhere where you you could be dropping. Heavy things yeah, on your shoes, then... But it's interesting, when you mentioned hiking boots, that's, um,
0: you know, they can be uh, a brilliant thing to, for your feet to help maintain your health and well-being, et
1: cetera. Just yeah. Just have that support. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah, even if there's, they're not still capped, they no. uh, can still protect against other things. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, that's, uh, that's a good one. And the other thing they were asked to look at was uh, a hydration pack, uh, ah. for staff working outdoors and, okay. uh, and you could see that being protective in the sense of, you know, if the, the sun is out and, you know, you need to protect against dehydration yeah, and yeah. heat stroke. Uh, so, you yeah, know, that's potentially protective, but, uh, but it's not an item of clothing. And oh, therefore, no. oh, it, you no. know, it can't be protective clothing. No, no. So, so the ATO was asked, well, instead, could it be a tool of trade? Hmm. uh and the ato's view was no that, that f- for them a tool of trade uh you yeah, know something that's manually operated hmm. you know so i th- i think of something that you you know you use with your hands yeah yeah uh like a hammer i suppose an ha- angle grinder or whatever yeah yeah, yeah okay. that's that's a better example uh and yeah hydration pack isn't something that you you manually operate. No, uh, and so uh, unfortunately for that was disallowed. Yeah, that was disallowed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it gives you an idea of you know what what is needed for something to qualify as a tool of trade. Yeah, yeah.
0: But still, even though uh, uh, keeping hydrated is a uh, good for everyone's well being, I suppose the out area' has got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I just just in passing, by the way, I'm um, w- w- the recent federal budget. Uh, had a little surprise in there, um, as you would realise, Simon, with the moving the changes to Division 7A out for a year. So we're not uh, expected to um, grapple with that for another year, which is kind of good. Uh, yeah, v-
1: very welcome, I'm, I'm sure. I, <laughs> I, I was uh, sceptical that they'd be able to bring it in that's by fun. one I think you know, mentioned that July too. 19. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, time's uh, running out. That's true. But um, are, there,
0: are there any other forthcoming um, ATO guidance that we should be aware of uh, in regards to F-
1: FBT? Uh, yeah, the ATO is always working on things. Uh, okay. You yeah, know, if uh, yeah, as an employer, if, if you're providing car parking fringe benefits, oh, yeah. uh, then you know, keep an eye out on uh, tax ruling TR ninety six slash twenty so So uh, very old ruling. It is now, and uh, the ATO has decided to uh, uh, that it's time to update it. Uh, that um, you know, it's being re rewritten to reflect commercial car parking arrangements oh, yeah. uh and you know also legal developments there was the Qantas case uh about um you know airport uh car parking facilities oh, yeah, and yeah. uh and so they're, so they're updating the the ruling and they're uh they're hoping to have that completed uh, according to their website by early 2019 and so uh you'd imagine We'd that's, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're already uh, okay. yeah, more than a few months into the, into the year. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but it's coming. Uh, it's the, the, at least they say it's coming. Okay, yep, yep. Uh, exactly when, well, I suppose only time will tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you, do you know, have you got any inklings
0: as to what the changes to that might be?
1: Oh, I... Not really? No, not really. Yeah,
0: it's hard to tell until so it all happens. Yeah. But all right, so car parking, yeah. fringe benefits, um, keep an eye on that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it should be finalised well before the end of the 2020 FBT year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but for for 2019 FBT year, then uh, you know, still apply the uh, mm. the existing 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 budget. rules, etc. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking
0: of which, I mean, do you know what is the ATO focusing
1: on with FBT? Have you had any uh, uh, clues on that? Uh, well, they've uh, they have a, a page on their website that they uh, uh, released quite recently uh, titled fbt issues on our radar oh, that's exactly what i was talking about okay what are they looking at this year uh, uh well they're they're looking at car fringe benefits uh, okay as, yep. as as they always do really yeah, it's a big it's, one you know, such a big one that yep. you know it will always be a focus of the ato yeah they're they're particularly looking at employees that are incorrectly applying exemptions for vehicles right so, yeah for example the one that i talked about at At the beginning of the episode uh you know if your employers are not uh, applying that correctly then um you know they're perhaps more likely to be caught or or incorrectly claiming reductions for those benefits yeah yeah. you know perhaps under the statutory formula method you're saying that the car was unavailable for private use and when in fact you know it's deemed to to have been available for private use or you know maybe you're using the the operating cost method but your logbook is is invalid, and so you're because you it's old or something, or yeah, yeah. Well, you know, logbook lasts uh, for five years, right? Um, so perhaps it's old, or perhaps it doesn't contain the you know, the necessary information, or, right? Yep. Uh, for for whatever reason, you know, if, if your logbook isn't valid, then you can't be using it to you know to to calculate your your business use percentage. Yeah,
0: yeah, I suppose, and I suppose we're, we're, since yeah. I've bought in the these safe harbour. Um, guidance, I suppose, you know, naturally they'll keep an eye on the um, vehicle claims for FBT because there's been slight changes. Mm, mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think in any time there's uh, changes to the, the law, then um, it, it can be uh, an area of, of focus for the ATO. Yep, yep. Uh, entertainment expenses, they're, oh, they're right. another big one. They're they're always to focus. Yep. Uh, car parking fringe benefits, there's... Uh, there's a number of different ways you can calculate the the value of those benefits and uh they it can be quite quite complicated depending on on the method that you use and uh the ATR is concerned that some employers are, are not doing those calculations correctly <coughs> right uh will so they'll be they'll be looking at that uh and uh just, you know one final thing I'll me- I'll mention yep. is uh employee contributions uh can of course Reduce the value of the the fringe benefit, That's right, yeah. uh, which is great from an FBT perspective, but it's also considered income to the employer. Uh, oh, really? And for okay. uh, so, so you know they need to be reporting that income uh, on the tax return, oh, uh, yeah. and uh, also for the GST on that income uh, on their BAS. Oh, I see. Uh, so you know, don't try to. Claim, know, yeah, claim, claim the the, the positive, of this yeah, and, yeah, yeah, less, you know, reduce your FBT up. without also, uh, you yeah, know, following through with, with the, the income tax side of the things. income tax and GST side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it
0: makes it more complicated, doesn't it? Mm. Um, all right, okay, um, fantastic, Simon. That's uh, it's been a great update to the FBT arena. Um, oh, thanks for all that. Um, thanks for coming in again. Yeah, always <laughs> uh, great to be here. And uh, listeners, uh, please tune in next time.